right, everybody, welcome back. This is part two of our starting pitcher preview on the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast. I am Adam Azer here with Healthy Heath Cummings. Hello, Healthy Heath Cummings. It's great to be here with you, Adam. You're my favorite podcast host. Oh, thank you. Here is Crazy Chris Towers. Hello, Crazy Chris Towers. Hey. And Six Scott White. Six Scott White. How you doing? You know, I... You can call me sick, and that's fine. I'm, I am pretty sure it's just allergies, because this has happened, like, this is the third March in a row where this has happened, and it's basically just dry coughing all day, oh. and it's shredded my throat, and I sound funny, but, well, oh well. For the listeners out there, the fun game to play, because I did this uh, yesterday as I listened to Monday's show, which I was not on, is uh, find find the time in the podcast where Scott puts the cough drop in his mouth. It is a fun game, and I got it right. <laughs> I got it right on Monday's show, so uh, good stuff. Yeah, okay. All right. It's already in, so maybe, maybe I'll have oh. to double dip. Well, you just oh, wow, that wow. Yeah. Game I was over. already yeah. wrong. How about that? Well, I didn't want a lot of uh, – yeah, that, it, that seemed like a, a trick question. All right, so for the first four or five minutes, I want to talk about formats. Uh, we, we discussed it a little bit, but I don't think enough yesterday. And how your starting pitcher strategy changes in format and different formats. And the three formats we'll talk about are points leagues, head-to-head categories, and standard roto. I will define all of them so that we got a couple of questions, you know, asking what the differences are. So, uh, and some, a lot of you probably know, but that's okay. And then after that, we'll just do ADP. So I'm gonna put, uh, I'm gonna put four and a half minutes on the clock. Do we really need to spend four minutes talking about Harvey, Shoemaker, Andrees, and more? What? That's the band format. Four mats. Oh, four mats. Awful. Uh, okay. <laughs> yes, we do, Chris. Thank you. All right, so head-to-head points, our standard head-to-head points league has five starting pitcher spots, two relief pitcher spots, and how many hitters? Uh, like nine? Uh, not, uh, starting, in, there's nine hitters. Nine, okay. So yeah. it, it's not a deep format. And Scott talked about it yesterday. This is the format where you are more likely, anybody should be more likely to go heavier on starting pitcher. Innings count for more there. Categories don't matter in head-to-head points. But um, starting pitchers, you know, there are fewer hitters, so that makes starting pitcher more important. In a standard roto league, which let's say is 5 by 5 categories, but no head-to-head matchups, just you accumulate stats. And whoever has the best stats at the end of the year, you know, in in, in the categories, they win. Uh, the, the old school style of fantasy baseball. Pitchers are a little bit less important than the points leagues because there are more hitter spots. And there are, you know, there are nine pitcher spots, uh, but there are, as opposed to seven in head-to-head points, but um, but a lot more hitter spots. So pitchers lose a little bit, a little bit of value there. Head-to-head categories is really interesting. Because it does depend on a lot of things. It depends on a week. And head-to-head categories, the difference between head-to-head categories and Roto is that in head-to-head categories, you are facing an opponent every week, and you are competing in categories every week. Um, it really depends on the format of the league, and are there innings minimums? Or can you just go with nothing but relievers? Are there specific starting pitcher spots and relief pitcher spots? Or is it all just pitchers, whatever you want to divvy it up as? Or is there a combination of both, which is probably the most common? So... Heath, you think that starting pitching is overrated in head-to-head categories leagues. We, we've already established that starting pitching is not overrated in points leagues. But in head-to-head categories leagues, tell me why it's overrated. Well, 
to be clear, I think you also have to make sure you know how many categories and which categories you have. I, we see a lot more questions, it seems like, this year than we have in the past on 6x6 six six or 7x7 seven seven or 9x9 nine nine type leagues. And in leagues where you're adding more than the standard five categories, which are wins, saves, ERA, whip, strikeouts, if you're adding more categories that are like quality starts that are counting stats that benefit starting pitchers, then they're not overrated. Okay. But in those standard categories, you can win three of the five pitching categories without a starting pitcher, like at all. And that's that really is where in both roto and categories, you kind of you didn't mention that a big part of why starting pitchers are less valuable than hitters in those categ- in those formats, categories and straight rotisserie. It's just that the best hitters are going to help you in five different categories. The best starting pitcher in the world will only help you in four. Okay. And so that that's a big difference as well. Yeah, there aren't that many hitters that are going to help you in five categories though. They're very very few. But um all right, so so it does, so okay, so you're okay punting categories in a head-to-head categories league, punting wins and strikeouts to try to win whip, ERA and saves. That's if, the other thing is you aren't going like I I usually end up with a starting pitcher or two. Most categories leagues require you to, you to have two, and then I'll just fill the rest out with relievers in a head-to-head category. You aren't necessarily because of the volatility of one week punting wins or strikeouts. You're you're at a major disadvantage, and you're going to lose more than you win. But you'll sneak in wins on those occasionally. I if you have really good relievers, you're not well. First off, you're not going to lose saves. I don't think you're going to lose the ERA and WHIP very often. Okay, and then the last thing you know about that strategy that we haven't mentioned is that the relievers, since you're getting so many relievers instead of starting pitchers, you're taking them later, and you're using more early picks on hitters. So not only are you giving yourself an advantage of three of five categories, the uh, ERA, WHIP, and saves categories, but in theory, you should have better hitters as well. Personally, I've never done that, and I hate it because I think it's cheap, and I don't think it's real baseball. However— I have strategy. I have no problem with anybody else doing it, and it is effective. It's not foolproof, but it is effective. It's kind of similar it. to what your team is probably going to do this year: is use their starting pitchers' lefts, build a super bullpen that can pitch the last four to five innings of a game, and if they get out, if they get into trouble early, maybe the last six innings of a game. You're talking about the Yankees, and, and that's fine, but um, they're it's, they're still like I still think that everybody should have a starting rotation of at least five starting pitchers on their team, but that's fine. The Whatever. Rays that's just said they may go with a well, four-man rotation the, all year long. The key that and Heath mentioned it. The key is really just the volatility of one week, the volatility of percentage stats. Which are, you know, two of the ones that are going to be rewarded the most in a week. Like, even if you have four really good starting pitchers, and if one just has an awful start, that ERA and whip is, is going to be so skewed for the week that, you know, you made a heavy investment in pitching, but you're still going to lose that. Um, if you go up against a Heath anytime one of those pitchers has a bad start. So it's, like that's not obviously not something you worry about in roto where you have a full season for everything to kind of even out and I don't think it's a viable approach in roto. That's, that was my last question, Scott. Yeah, can you do yeah. that in roto? Can you do that in standard season long roto with no weekly matchups? Can you punt like I, starting pitcher? I don't like punting categories in general. And and you know while while you have a good chance of winning strikeouts with the volatility of one week with a lineup full of relievers, that's not going to happen in roto. You're you're going to finish very low in strikeouts. So. um no, I don't, I don't, I don't, 
it leaves yourself with no maneuverability in season if you're just committing to not competing in two categories and everything has to go right in all the others. So I don't like doing that. But I, I totally get it when you're when you're banking on the volatility of one week. And it may be something I do in that format this year because it's uh it's maddening. It's maddening trying to win those percentage categories over such a small sample of time. Last thing here, guys, uh, if you have a nine, and I knew we'd go overtime, but whatever. If, if you have nine pitcher spots in a roto league, how do you see yourself, you know, distributing them amongst starters and relievers? I try to draft two closers, but I'm never one of the people drafting an elite closer. Um, just because half of the closers are probably going to lose their job at some point during the year. So I don't want to invest too much in it, but. I want at least two because you need probably 60 to 70 saves to be in the middle of that category, probably 90 to 100 to win. And if you're not investing heavily in closers, like you can get three and beat the guy who drafted Kimbrell and Ken Giles in saves. You know, like in a 12-team league, not everybody's going to have three. Well, I just – how many – how many? okay, but how many starting pitchers to keep it on the starting pitcher thing? Like what are you, 6-3? Like six, six starters, three six, relievers. Six three is the ideal in a twelve team league. If if it's fifteen teams, as we see a lot of roto leagues uh, stretching to fifteen now, then then yeah, two two is enough. And it, it is very common for me to end up with a reverse of that three six. And it depends on the if you have a bench spots, I might draft three closers, but probably no more than that. I do think you. I agree with Scott that you cannot. I don't like punting categories in a season long roto. I, what I did last year and what I, what I may try to do again this year is you're going to build a league in a couple of categories and then try to maneuver your way up in wins. Because the thing is, and we don't talk about this very much because it's not a great endorsement of season-long Roto, by the All-Star break, half the teams in your Roto League probably quit paying attention. And so if you are last in two categories, it's not that hard to make up four or five points if you're trying to pass teams that have just stopped trying. Okay, that's a good point. Uh, so I guess you have to also know the dynamics of your league. Moving on now, let's get into average draft position. There are four starting pitchers going in the first 13, 14 picks. Kershaw goes 7th, Scherzer 11th, Sale 13th, and Kluber 13th. And no other starting pitchers go, or Kluber's like 14th. No other starting pitchers go until Bumgarner 26th and Strasburg 27th. So Kershaw is 7th. And ADP has Trout, Altuve, Arenado, Goldschmidt, who I think is going to keep on falling. When we did the third base preview, Goldschmidt was ahead of Arenado. Now it's Trout, Altuve, Arenado, Goldschmidt, Trey Turner, and Clayton Kershaw. Kershaw going ahead of Harper, Betts, Blackman, Stanton. When would you guys take Clayton Kershaw? I would take him. Uh, I'm trying to remember the exact number. I think we all are. I I think I have him ninth. I have him eighth. Eighth. Um, yeah, I'd have to pull it up. Sorry. But I've got, I've got Kershaw 8, Scherzer 9, Kluber 10, Sale 11. So who are the seven hitters you're taking ahead of them? Well, I didn't have that okay. page up. All right, well, in, in Roto, <laughs> it's Altuve, Turner, Trout, Blackman, Harper, Betts, Arenado, Kershaw, Scherzer, Kluber, Sale. Okay. So you're so taking Goldschmidt the, after the pitchers. You're taking the four I, aces I had before. Stanton. I Oh. And that makes it, yeah, I have Kershaw ninth, like I said, and Stanton is the additional hitter I have ahead of him. So you guys are taking the four aces ahead of 
Correa and Machado ahead of yes. the of the four first basemen. Ahead of Goldschmidt, yeah. Ahead of Chris Bryant. Okay. Yep. Now the the one thing to that we probably should remember about the four aces, as we call them, is the super aces. Two of them are probably gonna go on the DL for a month. One of them's probably gonna be an outright bust. Ooh, I mean, I don't know about like, that. Just based on history, like that's about fifty percent of starting only, only one of them has ever ever been on the DL, right? I, Scherzer, I guess I, actually, I guess Scherzer was at the start Scherzer of last was year, on the DL that last was, year. That was his first ever. Uh, DL Kluber thing. was on the DL last year. Yeah, he was. Uh, Kershaw has been on the DL a bunch of times over the last three years. Sale has never been on the DL, and, and he's the guy that looks the most injury prone. And Scherzer has only been on the DL since he broke out the one time. I think he missed one start, but yeah. I'm just talking about history. Just the way starting pitchers work. You're talking in general terms of starting pitchers, starting not necessarily pitchers, these specific ones. Yeah, like have, something like 40. But it's not. But Madison Bumgarner had never been on the DL until he was. He, no, he fell off his dirt bike. Like, I mean, he's a, he's a durable guy. That's fine. But last year, <laughs> the top four aces were being drafted, and there was a tier of four. It was Kershaw, and then there was a gap. But there was a Syndergaard and Bumgarner were both going within the top 20 usually. That's not atypical when you look at the history of drafting starting pitchers. Starting pitchers go on the DL at about a 40% rate over the course of a season. And yet look at the hitters that are being taken ahead of them. Trout missed significant sure, time last year. Trey Turner missed not, significant time. Not. Giancarlo Stanton has a history of well, Bryce Chris, Chris, significant Chris time. this is why I won't okay. take two of them. This is why I, I will not go with both of them, with two of the Super Aces. I took three of them yesterday. In what? We had our head-to-head auction league that we're playing out. Points league? And it was a points, points league. league, yeah. Uh-huh. And I spent 147 of my $260 on Kershaw, Scherzer, and Kluber. Right, I'm, and, and just to get back to the point, I'm not saying that the hitters are safer, or, but just we've, are, we've decided that these four stand out, just like we had decided last year that those four stood out and that Kluber wasn't part of that elite group anymore. And that Chris Sale wasn't part of that elite group. Mm-hmm. We're yeah. probably overstating the certainty which with with which these four will be the top four next year. They won't be. One of them will probably not return value on their draft price. Well, that's fine. Like I, I agree. I mean, look, I think Scherzer, Sale, and Kluber all had their best season ever, and Kershaw had one of his worst. Uh, which was crazy. So that that is definitely part of it. I mean, I I agree. Of the four, who feels the riskiest to you guys? Probably the one being drafted highest, Kershaw. <laughs> yeah, but he could also like, be the he could like, also be the most valuable player in fantasy. Right, That's... but yeah, it's the guy who has had three straight years of back injuries. Okay, well, I'm, but he's so much better than like Chris Sale. Sale had two straight years with like a three forty ERA. 333 and 341 in his previous Before two seasons. Before last year, we were wondering if Chris Sale was more like a more like what we think Chris Archer is right now, well, which, could be, which could be a case for Chris Archer being undervalued right now. Yeah. I remember when Corey Kluber was not an ace. Right. Is that a shot at but me? Chris Sale. No, I remember when you guys pretended that Corey Kluber had a 140 ERA when, in fact, it was like 410. I remember that very well. Um, anyway, yes, uh, right. So, so there's there's some risk. It's not like these are the four safest guys in the world. Um, and then you know it does. No, no, I mean it's a good point Chris makes. Like we don't. There are there are other 
pitchers capable of doing what Chris Sale they're coming, probably they're, they're capable of, right. of if Chris Sale takes a half step back, you know, they could they could be close to what he is. It's just right now these four seem like clear standouts the, in terms of dominance and safety. These are the four coming off the best seasons. Well, but well, I mean it's for, it's no, much that, more it's much no, more than no, that for Kershaw and Scherzer. For Kershaw and Scherzer, it's much wise. more than that. Much more than that. Like math wise, these are the four that are most likely to have the best season. Yeah, and Kershaw and Scherzer have been amazing year after year after year, and they're sub one whips. But Scott, you have Scherzer ranked fourth because of injury concerns. Yeah, other than Kershaw, the obvious ones. Just the fact that Scherzer's the oldest of this group. The fact that he had um, a couple of injury scares last year. The finger thing put him on the DL early, but then I think he had a shoulder thing midseason that we were flipping out about for a while. It ended up being no big deal. But uh, that, in conjunction with the age, just makes him a little scarier than Kluber and Sale to me. Not, you know, it, it doesn't really matter to me which of those I get, but mm-hmm. I have to put one fourth, and he's the one I put fourth. Okay, so let's move on to the next group, and it's a big group. And we go into round three, where we have Madison Bumgarner, who I actually find it's funny that he is younger than all of the f- top four. Kershaw, Scherzer, Sale, Kluber. Bumgarner, 26. Strasburg, 27th. Cindergard 31st, Carrasco 34, and Severino 35. Those are the pitchers going in the third round of a 12-team league. Bumgarner, Strasburg, Cindergard, Carrasco, Severino. There are five of them. One more time. Bumgarner, Strasburg, Cindergard, Carrasco, Severino. If all five are on the board and you're picking, who's your pick? It's Bumgarner for me. I, I got a tweet yesterday. From uh, F. Zamo asking if it was outrageous to think Bumgarner should actually make it a big five because he does look fresh coming into the year, didn't throw a lot of innings last year. There is an argument to make that maybe Madison Bumgarner is less likely to get hurt this year because he doesn't have the huge workload that like a Corey Kluber does and the long extensive history of back injuries that Kershaw does. And Bumgarner was one of those elite four all the way up until he wrecked his dirt bike. It, well, how do you, like? Do you think it's going to happen? It think, is a good case. It is a good case. I mean, case. I think it's the, I rank him fifth, so I think it's the most likely to happen if yeah. there's one guy that's going to jump he's, into that group. He's probably at his best, not as good as the other four at their best. That's the one thing that I would say just differentiates him. His career high strikeouts per nine is 10. Everybody else has bested that. His career best ERA is 274. Everybody else has bested that. Like, I feel like it's it's what helped this case a lot is what the Giants did this offseason because he was sub 500 last year. They were so bad. Uh, and I don't know that they're going to be playoff contenders this year, but they've definitely improved their roster. The other hesitation for me is that when he got back from that shoulder injury last year, his velocity was just a little bit down. He was less than a strikeout per inning. Mm-hmm. And, and he's, I, he's coming off shoulder surgery. Like regardless of why it happened. He had to have surgery on his throwing shoulder. We can't just discard that. All right, so after Bumgarner. That's why he's not being ranked with the top four. After Bumgarner, mm-hmm. who would you take? Strasburg, Syndergaard, Carrasco, or Severino? I mean, my number five pitcher isn't among this group that you rattled yeah. off here. So. It's Granky, right? It's Granky. I think I agree with Scott on that, too. All right, so we do love that value. But um, All right, on, you know what? We talked about this a lot yesterday. For me, I go with the safe guy, safer guys in the group, and I actually think that you can make a case against every single one of them. So safety is sort of in the eye of the beholder. And we, I think we like everybody. We like everybody from Bumgarner, Strasburg, Cindergaard, Carrasco, Severino, DeGrom, Verlander, Granke, 
It might stop there. That's 12 pitchers when you include the top four. I'm and not then, sure I, I like Carlos Carrasco in this tier. What? Oh, I definitely do. I, I, I love like, him. He's done it once. Yeah, he's, he's been healthy enough to do it once. Well, but just I mean, Severino in, 20, in 2015, he was well, Severino was better. But in 2016, 2015, Carrasco's best season before this, he had a 363 ERA in 183 innings. 2016, he had a 332 ERA in 146 innings. Like, I, I just don't, I don't feel comfortable taking a guy that doesn't have the track record there. And Severino, I'm not sure I'm comfortable with there, but. I think Severino was just better last year. By the way, Carrasco also had a 255 ERA in 2014 in 134 right. innings. I don't in know if you said 26 that relief appearances and 14 starts, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, well, okay. That's, yeah, that's a good point. Good point. He was the number six starting pitcher last year. Um, the, the thing is, I, the, those are good points against the guaranteed production of Carlos Carrasco and the question marks around him, and they're not wrong. This tier does like we were, we are out of. We don't. There are no pitchers that are guarantees. But this tier, they all have question marks. Zach Greinke had an ERA well over four just a year ago. Mm-hmm. Noah Syndergaard might throw 150 innings. Sure. Um, I don't. I don't think Noah Syndergaard's any more or less likely to throw 150 innings than Carlos Carrasco. Oh, I don't know. About he's more, that. Is he more or less likely to throw 200 innings though? I don't think he's le- that much less likely. I, I do think he is less likely. I rank Syndergaard. And Strasburg both much higher, and these these ADPs you're using are Roto. Both of them I rank higher in Roto than I do in points, because I think on an innings per innings basis they probably deserve to be in the same category as Bumgarner or higher. Okay, so uh, let me just get one name from you guys out of Strasburg, Syndergaard, Carrasco. No, I'm not including Bumgarner. Strasburg, Syndergaard, Carrasco, Severino, Degrom, Verlander, Granke. They're all available, and you're picking. Who's the one that you're just? There's no way you're taking him. Probably Carrasco for me. Uh, yeah, I mean, if, like, I know who I'm taking of that group, so the others I wouldn't take, but, uh, I guess Carrasco would probably be the one I'd least likely to take. I think DeGrom is the one I'm least likely to take. Because of the back? I, yeah, I mean, he's not really fully healthy right now. Right. So. Okay, alright, cool. So that's Granky ends, uh, at 41st overall, 42nd overall. And then we go about six more picks and we have a group of, Pitchers, Robbie Ray, Yu Darvish, Carlos Martinez, Chris Archer. Um, Robbie Ray, Yu Darvish, Carlos Martinez, Chris Archer. That's 16 pitchers. Remember we talked about a top 17 yesterday. It includes Dallas Keuchel, but Keuchel goes about 10 picks after this group. So it's Ray, Darvish, Martinez, and Archer. I don't think we have to talk any more about Robbie Ray. Scott's much higher on him than Heath is. Um, Darvish. Scott and I kind of talked about it yesterday, and I feel like Scott said it. I kind of feel better about it. I do think we could get a great year from you, Darvish. I, I mean, he he might be amazing value at 50th overall. He's 14th pitcher off the board. Anybody disagree with that? Anybody think he's really like a mid three ZRA guy? You, Darvish. I mean, his he's got somewhat spotty control. Um, he can be prone to home runs, but he's also, you know, maybe the best strikeout pitcher in baseball when he's on. So. I think he could have a Chris Sale season, yeah. And I think he could be have an amazing season with a mid-3 ZRA. I don't think those two things – like if he's a 3-4 ERA and pitches for a Cubs team that wins 100 games and he wins 18 to 20 of them and leads the baseball in strikeouts, he had an amazing year regardless of a little bit of an inflated ERA over the rest of the aces. Well, that's interesting because I'd have to go 
well, let's take a look at like 2016 and see the highest ERA in the top 12. But um, all right, so that's that's Darvish. But could we all see him having a sub three ERA? He's done it before. Yes, okay. it's possible. Okay. Um, Carlos Martinez, Chris Archer. Who do you guys prefer? I prefer Chris because I think. Thanks. <laughs> I I think there's a much higher uh, innings expectation there, and with the kind of K per nine he has, it's a much much higher strikeout expectation for him. And while I do give Carlos Martinez a nod in the the ratio stats, it's not like you know he's not going to be a guy I see having a sub three ERA. And meanwhile, I could see Chris Archer pulling his below. You know, the high threes. Yeah, I, I do think Archer's ERA should be lower than it's been the last two years. Maybe it will happen like it did for Robbie Ray last year. Maybe it won't. I don't think it's fair to put too much of a cap on how low Carlos Martinez's ERA could be. At least not say he can't be a below three guy because he was 301 one year and 304 the next year. I expect him to win more games than Archer does. And he he will. I know you brought it up Adam, yesterday, Adam, and it's it's a tough thing to quantify for all pitchers. But I feel pretty strong saying Carlos Martinez will face considerably weaker competition than Chris Archer this year. Glad you had the numbers there ready to go because I was just, oof. But, okay. and he's been more of a mid-threes FIP guy. The one thing I will point out in Chris Archer's favor is when he gives up those fly balls and they don't go into the seats, they're probably going to get caught because that outfield defense could be really, really good in Tampa Bay. Kevin Kiermeyer, Malik Smith, and Carlos Gomez, they're going to cover a ton of ground. That's a big upgrade from what they were running out there. Yeah, Chris can't stop talking about Carlos Gomez. Just loves Carlos Gomez. Um, <laughs> Wrong Carlos, Chris. We're talking about Carlos Martinez. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, nah, I'm just kidding. Um, all right. Uh, by the way, seems pretty hard to be a top 12 pitcher. Definitely top 10 without a th- without an ERA below 340. One exception was 2016. David Price had a 390 ERA. Uh, 399 ERA. Well, won like 19 games, right? Uh, he was 17 and 9, but he threw 230 innings. So he was not very good in Roto. He was probably like 16th in Roto, but he was 9th in points. Uh, a lot of innings, a lot of wins, two, 399 ERA. But I think that's probably a good benchmark. You want somebody below a 340 ERA if you expect them to realistically finish as a top 10 starting pitcher. Uh, alright, moving on past that, we have Dallas Keuchel, who is kind of in a tier of his own. Uh, Keuchel is going 64th overall. Actually, like, Keuchel going four spots ahead of Aaron Nola is a little disrespectful of Dallas Keuchel to me. They're 17th and 18th off the board. You guys feel the same way? Yeah, he should be going well ahead of Aaron Nola. Okay. Uh, I, I, I don't agree. Really? Chris is the I, president of the Aaron Nola fan club after not liking him much before well, last and year. It, and it's, it's a bit of both. I also, like, Dallas Keuchel, we are... We are believers in advanced stats unless we're not. Like Dallas Keuchel, we think this is a guy who definitely will outperform his peripherals uh, because he's done it a few times. But he's been a 3.87 FIP and a 3.79 FIP each of the last two seasons. One of those led to a 4.55 ERA. One of them led to a 2.90 ERA. And now I know he was hurt in 2016, and we just don't care about that. And 2017. He was hurt in 2017, and we just don't care about that. What do you mean we don't care about that? Of course we care about it. That's why he goes in the 60s. That's why he goes in round six. I mean, the guy won the Cy Young, and the guy had a sub-2 ERA before he got hurt last year. So if we didn't care about Dallas Keuchel's injuries, he'd be a second-round pick. He's awesome. His 
Is ground ball rate not considered he, an he advanced did, stat? Is, he did is have the only a one sub that two ERA before his injury last year. It, I know he did. He's he's it incredible. It takes into account ground ball rate. It takes into account home run rate, but which is, I mean, when you're when you're like. Dallas Keuchel is in a class of his own in he, terms of getting hitters to pound the ball into the ground. Absolutely is. Yeah, he, he has a 3.65 ERA for his career and a 3.72 FIP. I want to clarify my stance. I don't think Dallas Keuchel is a value here. I think he is being drafted exactly where I have him ranked, and that's perfectly fine. My biggest thing is Aaron Nola is more being drafted on what if he does what we think he can do. Mm-hmm. He's not being drafted himself based on what he has done and he is somebody that's not outperformed as FIP in fact he's been the exact opposite direction he was the last probably two years. better than Dallas Keuchel last year he was probably better than Dallas Keuchel last year he wasn't that much worse than Dallas Keuchel in 2016 he has never won a Cy Young he's yeah. worse he's worse than Keuchel give me a break come on he now. could be better than Keuchel <laughs> this year I don't believe for his career he's given us 356 innings of a 394 ERA I'd like to see him throw 200 innings. I thought when he came into the league, he might not strike out at as many guys as some of the elite pitchers, but he looks really, really safe. That's not been what he's been so well, no. far, but now he's striking more people out. The injury risk for Aaron Nola is probably not talked about enough. Like He's had elbow scares each of his two seasons in the majors. I think that's a fair point. So tell me, the guys going behind Nola, I'm going to say their names. Tell me if you take them ahead of Aaron Nola. Jose Quintana. Yes. Scott, I'm gonna jump in. No, no, no. Rather happily, Jose Quintana is gonna bounce back. But I don't think you have to take Jose Quintana. Jose Quintana often I found in the 90 range. Uh, well, he's going 72nd on Fantasy Pros. Yeah, he seems to be ranked higher across the industry than he is at on our site specifically. Which you know, I mean, it's like this tier of pitchers. I feel like there's just like the previous tier. There's a lot of interchangeability. It's just take a stand. There, it's not worth it. Like, I feel like my stand is I value the previous tier a lot more than this tier because I feel like, for the most part, this tier, very unlikely to ascend to the next tier. I want to hear the rest of the names in this tier because there's four guys that I think should be in this tier that I think absolutely belong in the discussion with the Carmart, Archer, Robbie Ray. Okay, great. All right, so let's do it. So I'm, I'm going to say I'm going to not include Keiko here. Uh, but then it's Nola, the 18th starting pitcher off the board. Quintana, Otani, Paxton, and Garrett Cole. Nola, Quintana, Shohei Otani, Paxton, and Garrett Cole. Yeah, for me, Paxton, Cole, and Quintana all belong in that discussion with Keuchel, Ray, Archer, Martinez. And there's one name that didn't get in that group that's apparently a very good value. I have no idea why Shohei Otani is included in that group. The name. And you're talking about the guy who's not in the group that's a good value is Masahiro Tanaka? Absolutely. 23rd SP off the board, but 12 picks after number 22, Garrett Cole. 89th overall for Masahiro Tanaka. Uh, what is that, round 8 or something? Yeah, it's round 8. So round 7, round 6 and 7 are Nola, Quintana, Otani, Paxton, and Cole. And then Tanaka's in round 8. Scott, you don't like that group? I, I mean, you you don't. Take part in that group because you usually have three or two or three of the first 17. And then you kind of skip this next group? No, I take part in that group. I just know what I'm getting into. And what I'm getting into is um, second-rate second, second rate pitchers. I mean, these, these guys, 
aren't like you're not you're not going to draft um what Aaron Nola and expect him to shock the world and put up Noah Syndergaard like numbers like there's there's a clear distinction between those tiers and it's it's a pretty severe one don't people think that Nola's capable of that I think a lot of people do this is absolutely my favorite tier of pitchers to draft from uh this is my favorite part of the draft to start getting pitchers and I don't see why Aaron Nola couldn't be Luis Severino this year well he doesn't throw nearly as hard fine although he his velocity did jump uh, almost two miles per hour last season. Dude, um, like you know what he he had he has had amazing stretches, mm-hmm. and he's followed them up with like just mysteriously awful stretches. So he's shown it in spurts. But actually, I, I think we're talking way too much about Nola and not enough about Paxton's. Paxton. Well, that's just my personal I mean, opinion. Paxton, I think Paxton's better than Nola. I would take him over. Paxton Nola. could be an ace. Paxton's a better pitcher than Robbie Ray. Yeah, Scott. Like, don't you? How do you I feel about I Paxton? Because I, I feel like Paxton is the what? Is he twenty third pitch, twenty first pitcher off the board, and maybe one of the most likely in this range to be a top five pitcher? It would take a lot of innings. Maybe top, let's say top eight. Lower the bar yes, a little bit. I don't. I don't disagree with anything you've said. I love James Paxton inning for inning. I think inning for inning, he kind of is a left handed Noah Syndergaard. I would be shocked. I would fall out of my chair if he threw 200 innings this year. Like, it's just, it does not seem realistic to me to uh, even hope for that. Mm-hmm. That's that's the point I'm trying to make is, like, yeah, I mean, there will probably be somebody like Luis Severino did uh, last year who had never thrown two inning, 200 innings before who does and does it quite well. But, you know, as recently as three or four years ago, we would probably look at this group and say, hey, this guy's ready to take that step to 200 innings. So is this guy. So is this guy. So is this guy. And it's just like, no, you can't assume that anymore. Those aces are going to so outclass them in that area that they really don't. Even if there is good inning for inning, you just can't count on them measuring up to them in terms of overall production. Yeah, but nobody threw more than 215 last year. So if he gets to 190 innings, isn't that kind of like being a 200 inning pitcher two years ago? I mean, I'm choosing 200 because it's a round number. I'd be pretty surprised if he got to 190. Okay. Um, all right. So, yeah, it's a it's a fun group with a lot of potential, and I would be taking these guys as my number three starting pitcher. Chris, you'd be taking them as your number one. It it depends how the draft goes. I have taken James Paxton as my number one pitcher. I've taken. Masahiro Tanaka is my number one pitcher. I've taken Dallas Keuchel as my number one this preseason. It just it depends. And I, and I think you can get away with taking Garrett Cole as your number one. I mean, I know it was two years ago, and it, but he was fourth in the Cy Young voting. He won 19 games with the 2.6 ERA well, over 208 innings. Wasn't it? I'm sorry. Wasn't it three years ago though? It was 2015. Oh, he had a three-year stretch up until last year's not good year. In fact, four years basically. The first four years of his career, his FIP was never higher than 3.33. Yeah. And he's going to a team that we think is argue- maybe the smartest in baseball. That is, I think, the best case for Garrett Cole, is that in Pittsburgh, he threw his fastball way too much. That is Pittsburgh's thing. They want you to throw your fastball a whole bunch. And his breaking ball and, and changeup are better than his fastball in terms of the results that he's garnered from them in the majors. And so if he starts throwing those pitches more... Stops being a 65% fastball guy, starts being like a 55. He doesn't have to be Lance McCullers. 
and throw his curveball 50% of the time. Um, but the thing is, he's going to the team that allows Lance McCullers to throw his curve. Like, right. the Astros. And and the question could be, because uh-uh. Justin Verlander, I think, also changed his his usage. The yeah. question is whether Garrett Cole wants to be that. I, I would not be surprised if Garrett Cole is a top 10 pitcher at all. Yeah. No, I mean, the Astros have a track record. Uh, you know, we talk about pitchers that are already good, but, I mean, Keuchel wasn't expected to be good. Colin McHugh, Charlie Morton, Charlie Morton like yeah, they mine true. the data and say this is what you need to do su- to succeed, and the pitchers who follow through on it have become you know, emerged out of nowhere to become these great fantasy options. Finish it off with this: Cole or Paxton? I will. I prefer Paxton, but I think Paxton Cole has I like, similar upside. I like Paxton better. In Roto, I'll take Cole in points because I there's no reason to expect that Garrett Cole won't throw 30 or 40 more innings than him. And we know from yesterday's show he thinks Shohei Otani going way too early, 73rd overall, just because he's not going to pitch that many innings. How many do you if, expect, 150? If, yeah, if, if you want to write a fantasy baseball bust article, just put Shohei Otani in it, and you've got a fantasy baseball bust article. <laughs> Clickbait. I, I, I'll give him 150. That's fine. Okay. Um, I And I know – he has a lot of talent, and there's already been times this spring where he's thrown pitches, and you're like, oh, man. I just think it's really, really too much to ask of anyone to make this adjustment to the major leagues and try to do it as a hitter and pitcher at the same time. Oh, to be clear, I think he's awesome. I don't think there's any question, really. Like, I, he, he looks like a can't-miss prospect. The stuff is incredible. 95-mile-an-hour uh, fastball, his velocity band is you know, 71 mile an hour curveball. The splitter is legit. The slider is legit. I just, his ceiling's 150 inning. Yeah. That's, okay. I mean, that's what it comes down to me for me too. Like, I like him. Like, I'm not, I, my concerns aren't for his performance aren't as great as, as Heath's are. And there's certainly a point where I would take him, but it's more around like the Rich Hill range because I think the innings ceiling is similar. If Aaron Nola stays healthy, he's throwing 200 innings. He averaged six and a third innings per start last year. All right, this Shohei is Otani's Otani. not. Yeah, Shohei Otani we're talking about here. Next group of starting pitchers. And, yeah, it's going to get uh, probably a little bit less exciting. But Tanaka is in the next group, and we think he's good value at 89th overall, 12 picks behind uh, Garrett Cole, 11, 12 picks. Then Jake Arrieta, and then a little bit of a gap. But what do you think about Tanaka and Arrieta rounding out uh, the top 24, 23 and 24? They're both going in round 8, and then we'll get into round 9. Love Tanaka at that price. Don't really like Jake Arrieta at that price. I was already the lowest on Jake Arrieta, and I moved him down again today. Yeah, he's going to be in bust 2.0 for me. Um, just like it's going to take him so long to, at this point, if he does sign, you know, beyond performance concerns, it's going to take him so long to get ready. But I don't want to just by being silent on the matter. I don't, I don't want to totally co-sign to the Masahiro Tanaka love because I certainly understand where it comes from. The ratios suggest he should be better than he is, but two of the last three years he's been, I mean, he's been pretty awful and his environment doesn't help him. Um, like he's just so homer prone that like he, he seems like a guy whose ERA could get skewed very quickly. Yeah. Well, 2015, 351 ERA and a, and a .99 whip, but that was the year where he just didn't have that many strikeouts. 139 strikeouts and 154 innings. You're right that that we can't disp- dis- we can't dismiss that two of the last three years have been kind of rough, but I I think last year was awful. 2015 I, was okay. I agree. Okay, I 2015 yeah. is probably closer to his realistic worst case scenario. 
and he had a 351 ERA and a whip under one. All right. Uh, so then moving on after those two in round nine, we go over to, or round eight. We go over to round nine. You better have some pitchers at this point because now it's really like there are some good pitchers here, but no, not a lot of certainties. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but Barrios, Alex Wood, David Price, Kyle Hendricks, John Lester. Barrios, Alex Wood, David Price, Kyle Hendricks, John Lester. Of that group of five, who's your favorite and who's your least favorite? My favorite would be Lester. My least favorite, I think, would be Hendricks. Scott, favorite and least favorite out of Barrios, Wood, Price, Hendricks, Lester. I'm going, yeah, I'm going, I'm going Lester. I know I have Lester ranked the highest. The one I'm most likely to draft. And I, I rarely see him go before Lester. Um, even though I know the ADP is showing otherwise here is Alex Wood because I feel like in terms of ERA and whip, he's much safer. You know, in a points league, I'd probably go Lester, I guess, but these are, of course, Roto ADP that we're looking at. Um, and I trust him for a lower ERA and whip than Wood. Than, than Lester. Um, my least favorite is Hendricks because I think there's the the way the Cubs have used him have put a pretty uh, pretty clear innings cap on him as well. I, okay, I'll get back to that. Can I just say Here. a little off? To- I'm sorry, a little off topic. You guys both said Lester was your favorite. I really want Lester and Cueto on on teams. Yeah. Like I feel they both have really good bounce back potential. I think Lester was hurt by the World Series run. And I think there's a chance he bounces back. And Cueto gets drafted a lot later. And his walks it, were up. His ground balls were down. His hard contact was up. His velocity was down. But I it all looked like, like a pitcher who was losing it. But but he was he had the blisters all year. Yeah, I, I feel better about Cueto because he had the blister all I year. I would say, but I with Lester, I feel like there's some there's some real reason to wonder if the skills were diminished here. And maybe it was just because he was tired or whatever because the World Series run before. But like he's getting pretty old and. Like, you ignore these warning signs, you wind up with last year's Cole Hamels, you know? It's true. Uh, I, I don't, I do like the discount though. I mean, I kind of felt like, like even Price, you know, going after the first 100 picks, there's still a lot of good pitchers and good players on the board, but people are really downgrading these guys a lot. I mean, Cueto is going, uh, 141st overall. So I guess so, I'm just encouraged by the downgrades that, you know, that I can get them and still not have to pay up too much. Go ahead, Chris. I'll say there's a four-way tie for second least favorite among this group, and my least favorite is Jose Barrios. I don't like any of them, uh, especially at this price. I don't think Jose Barrios' draft price here makes any sense whatsoever. I think it's ridiculous. <laughs> well, like he thinks we already drafting. Him, hold on, you're drafting him for eight starts. Like we're we're agreeing because his career numbers suck. His career numbers are bad. But I, I, I don't. Agree. I just don't want to get into it again right. because we got into it yesterday. All right, but I need to Chris, say my Chris piece. needs to have his voice heard. We're all agreeing that we cannot look at his 2016. Fine, throw those 14 starts away. Let's also throw the eight starts where he was good last year out. And you're talking about a guy who had a 4.61 ERA in his final 18 games. Well, let's throw those 18 games out, and now we have no data. We have yeah, but like <laughs> that's that's kind of what we're saying we need to do with Jose Brios. I'm fine. This is not disliking Jose Barrios as a pitching prospect, I think he can be pretty good. As the 25th pitcher off the board, I don't think we have any evidence that he's good. 25th pitcher off the board does feel a little early, like to just be hoping for a breakout. But we are talking about there's not one person that's being drafted after that that is like completely, oh, yeah, he's going to be great. 
there's question marks everywhere. So Barrios, Wood, Price, Hendricks, Lester. Uh, how, I mean, should we really care that much about the innings with Hendricks? Like, he's gonna give you good numbers. Yeah, I care about the innings for him because in a lot of these cases, the innings concerns are, uh, injuries. You, yeah, you expect him to miss, spend some time on the DL for what, a, you know, maybe just because the team wants to do the Dodgers thing and rest him for a while, whatever. But start for start, they're still capable of going seven. Joe Madden never wants to let Hendricks go seven. And that, I mean, that lowers his ceiling for starting start sure in a way that makes he him— He gets crushed third time Well, out. that's the thing. It also lowers his ERA and his whip, and it, yeah. and it might make it more likely for wins. Like, maybe but in Roto it's not as bad. But whip is valuable because— But maybe in Roto it's not winnings, as bad, Scott. He's I mean, not a big strikeout pitcher, and it's just like, I'm not— like I'm, I'm, I'm not so sure. I wouldn't rather have Dellen Batances for ERA and WHIP help if that's really what we're drafting Hendricks for. Well, he's still going to get more strikeouts from Hendricks than Batances. Right. I just, I think the value, I, I don't think the value makes sense here okay. for Hendricks. All right, then let's move on to our next group, which is round ten: Zach Godley, Rich Hill, Sunny Gray. <laughs> Zach Godley, Rich Hill, Sunny Gray, Lance McCullers, and that's about it. Zach Godley, Rich Hill, Sonny Gray, Lance McCullers. Uh, quick thoughts. I well, you were just saying there's not anybody behind Jose Barrios who we feel pretty confident no, is going to I, be good. I, I would say I feel confident about all four of these being good. But they all have question marks. There's there's no yeah, slam dunk. Sure, at this point. I mean there's no right. There's there like if they didn't have question marks. They'd be going. Uh, I mean, we were saying Justin yeah. Verlander has question marks. You know, so. they wouldn't be pitchers if they didn't have question marks. I right, guess. exactly. <laughs> um, you know I love Godley. Yeah. Okay, let's move on from him. We talked about him yesterday. Yeah. Um, why, Rich I guess somebody I find myself drafting a lot. Yeah? Okay. In categories, leagues especially. I guess it's interesting that Lance McCullers is, what, uh, 45 picks behind James Paxton, right? Like, he's not, I don't, he's probably not quite as good as Paxton, but McCullers, uh, before he got hurt, I mean, let me see, I got the stat here. First 13 starts before his DL stint, before his back injury, he had a 258 ERA and well over a strikeout per inning and actually pretty decent control for him. So, does he, does yeah, Lance McCullers yeah, also, does, does he also have potential Lance McCullers to be like a top 10 pitcher? Yeah. Well, I've been saying pretty much every time we've talked about him this offseason and I, I think Chris co-signed, has co-signed to it is, uh, I never expect him to go 180 innings. And so because there are still a couple dozen pitchers who are good for that, like, no, I, I don't think he has a reasonable chance of breaking into the top 10. Now, he may pitch like a top 10 pitcher when they let him pitch, uh, but even that kind of fell apart as he accumulated innings last season, you know, accumulated to get to, where did he get to, 120, 140? 122. 122. 118 in the majors and 8 in the minors. Yeah, but then he was really good in the postseason. He was, yeah. Um, he had an ERA like 2-6, I think. And his FIP last year was still 3-1. Oh, I think mm-hmm. when he's on the mound, I think Lance McCullers will be one of the 10 best pitchers in baseball. All right. Well, after that, we are 33 pitchers in and we are 10 rounds in. And now it's, yo, here we go. Luke Weaver. Luke Weaver, 34th pitcher off the board, 123rd overall, followed by Marcus Stroman. They're the only pitchers going in round 11. Luke Weaver and Marcus Stroman. That's a big nope. Big nope? Okay. Um, and Marcus Stroman is tumbling since the shoulder inflammation. Right. 
And I think Stroman is maybe the pitcher that comes to mind, at least, uh, that has much more value in points leagues than Roto. Because he doesn't help in ER, he doesn't help in whip, and he, like, not only does he not help, he's bad in whip, and he's bad in strikeouts. But he gives you a lot of innings. That was definitely yeah. true until he had shoulder inflammation, and I don't know if you can count on him to give you a lot of innings. So, yeah. so then, like, I would say, you really so got to- You're not drafting him in this round. In this range. Maybe in points, but definitely not, like, definitely not in Roto. I, I just but, want everybody to know, in Roto leagues and categories leagues, Stroman is not as good as he is in points leagues. And that was before I mean, the shoulder. Yeah, I mean, it's totally possible the shoulder thing is just spring over caution, you know? Right. Like, they're, they haven't expressed any real concerns that he's going to be uh, missing time with this. So. And I, I will say, I don't think there's that big of a difference in talent between him and Dallas Keuchel. So I, I'm fine drafting him at the discount, either 120-ish when he's healthy or I think I got him like 175th in a recent draft. God, do you hate Dallas Keuchel? Okay. I, I'd call him a poor man's Keuchel. I mean, the ground ball rate is almost as good. The strikeout rate is, you know, a little behind. He's been better we, the last two seasons. What we do are you have an saying? update on our, uh, we have what? an update on our site from yesterday on mm-hmm. Marcus Stroman that does seem relevant. Um, they have not set a timetable for him to resume throwing. Mm-hmm. The doctors feel good about it. But in our piece, it is speculated he seems a good bet to open the season on the disabled list. All right. Okay. Yeah, after lack Stroman. of readiness, but you know, like well, that, that would miss time. Yeah, but just because he's not quite ready, not not real time. I, we're we're talking about him in a range that you're not drafting. Yeah, right yeah. Now. He's not going to go I, here. He's not going to go points here. He's going, he's going, I, I'm, no, he's, I'm with that. And I might think do he's it. still going five or six rounds later than this in points leagues. Okay. Because of the injury. But yeah, it, but if, he, if Stroman were not injured, I would definitely take him in the eleventh round in a points league. He's reliable. Take him there in Roto. He is a pitcher you're drafting because Roto. of his high floor, and that high floor doesn't exist when it has cracks in it. All right, after him, we are at thirty six pitchers here, and we are at fifty minutes. So let's 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 go. Trevor Bauer, Luis Castillo, uh, Gio Gonzalez, Johnny Cueto, Jeff Samarja, Bauer, Castillo, Gio Cueto, Samarja. I, I personally, I'd like to have four pitchers by now and have these guys as my fifth. How do you guys feel about that? I'm fine with Jeff Samarja as my number two pitcher, especially in head-to-head points. That is like, oh yeah, my god, agreed. oh my god, what are you Bull. saying? So this is why, like, this, the advanced stats people seem to just like skip over ERA because, like, you dump on Dallas Keuchel and say that Jeff Samarja, who once in his career as a starting pitcher has had an ERA better than 380. Hey, Adam, Come on now. I 100% agree with you. I would take Dallas Keuchel ahead of Jeff Samarja. Okay, but, but like. He's going your number 70 two? or 80 spots ahead your of him. Your number two pitcher? A guy who's had, a, like I said, an ERA under 380 once as a starting pitcher. Once. Mm-hmm. In fairness, that's an arbitrary number. He's had an ERA under 382 three times. <laughs> he has? Yes, he's had a 381 two different years. And, as and a you starter? know what? So saying 380. Okay, fine. As, so it's pretty much, that, you know, not arbitrary at all. About, we talk about how how scarce innings are. This is as close to a guaranteed 200 innings as you're going to get, including the the top four. He's been durable. He's a strong striker. I've actually I've come so far around on Jeff Samarja that last year I didn't want him at all. I think he's being. I, I'm not going to say he's undervalued. I think he is pretty close to properly valued for a guy who I think should win a decent amount of games, who's going to throw a ton of innings, who's going to get you a lot of strikeouts. He's going to hurt you probably in ERA. But even then, his peripherals are 
suggest he's closer to a mid three ZRA pitcher over the last five years. Yeah, well, I, would, I, I mean, peripherals over five years. That, but if you if you make him your number two starting pitcher, like you're you're committing it, to having a bad my offense team. is really good. Yeah, that that's. But yeah. offense is so deep now. I mean, that's that's the argument against this strategy of of making Jeff Samarja your number two. Like, you're not necessarily going to have that much of an advantage offensively over other teams because the waiver wire is going to have a lot more offense than it will pitching. Plus, like, you can talk about peripherals over five years. What about his actual stats over five years? They've been crap. So he had, like, two really bad years over the last five years. He's had yeah. one good year over the last five years. He's, he's had, had one, one good he's year. He's had one amazing year. Yeah, that's it. He's had two good years. No, 380 ERA is not good. That's it's the not only good. number that was bad, Adam. But that, that's a huge number. That's a lot of runs you're giving that up. How can you be one, good? Yes. That's the most important 40. number. That's the most important number. ERA that matters. Is, that is one of four pitching categories. I, it, you're not even getting his biggest advantage if you're talking about categories, because his biggest advantage is, is innings. And that's no, not even a category. You're getting 200 plus strikeouts most years. I wrote about Jeff Samarja in my name brand sleepers piece this week. And I wouldn't quite like to have him as my number two in a points league. I think he's a high end number three in a points league. My argument for him is you should expect an ERA under four, even if it's not under three, five. You should expect double digits, I would say 13 to 14 wins. He's going to throw you 200 innings, and he's going to be a good whip guy. I don't hate Samarja, honestly. Like, it's not, it's just that he's 40th. I, number two, I don't know. He was 21st what? in points, he was 32nd in Roto last year. Alright, um, so. He was what in points last year? 21st. So he was a number so two. So he was a number two starting. Player. Yeah, a, a number two, but not on a per inning basis. He threw 207 and two thirds. Which he does every year. Okay, I like you're not going to have it consistently with him. You're not going to know he's going to be have this terrible month, and you're going to go, do I start Jeff Samarja? And then he's going to throw eight shutout innings on your bench. He's not like as reliable as you're making him out to be. He never has been. Uh, all right. Anyway, uh, my voice got way too high. Like Dallas Keuchel. Dallas Keuchel is Dallas Keuchel's had a sub three ERA in three of his last four seasons. Yet Jeff Samarja is almost as good as Dallas Keuchel. Jeff moving Samarja. On. Yes, moving on. So. Uh, Jonathan, John Gray, we're in the 40s now. John Gray, Danny Duffy, Michael Fulmer, Chase Anderson, and then forget about Danny Salazar. Uh, so we, Gray, Duffy, Fulmer, Chase Anderson, Garrett Richards. Scott, what do you think? (laughs) Oh, go ahead, sorry. Love Gray, like Chase Anderson, don't like anyone else. (laughs) Yeah, Duffy and Fulmer are like the Dolly Parton of busts in this group. (laughs) What does that mean? That's moving, moving on. John Gray's interesting, guys. He's actually been better at home than on the road uh, each of the last two seasons. He's good. He's very good. He's not going to help you in ERA. Like, I, I think that's – you kind of have to look at him pretty similar to Jeff Samarja. He just doesn't have the innings history. But, you know, he's not injury prone. He hurt his foot in spring training last year. That was the issue. Uh, but he was really good last year. Have we said – when did we say Sonny Gray? How many picks ago was that? Sonny Gray was in a tier where we talked about everybody but him. He was with Godley, Rich Hill, and the Colors. And let, I've got yeah. John Gray and Sonny Gray back to back. Scott, you want to jump in? You haven't spoken in a while. Yeah, I um, I definitely see the upside for John Gray, but I see a ton of downside too. I mean, the most obvious being in Colorado, and that probably um, puts a pretty high, a pretty low floor, I should say, on his ERA. It's weird because you're talking about a high number, but. Um, the other thing I've noticed with John Gray is for having a good K per nine last year, 
very low swinging strike rate. I mean, I've, I've harped on Jose Barrios' swinging strike rate before, and John Gray's is even lower. And it's just like you're expecting a high ERA. You're scratching your head over the strikeouts. Andy's at Coors Field. Like, I, there's other pitchers I can get more excited about. Are we excited about Garrett Richards? Yeah. No. I mean, he should go after John Gray, but, um, you know, a big bat misser with a high ground ball rate. Coming back from injury, the innings are limited, but that's probably going to be true for all of these guys. So, yeah, I, I like I like Garrett Richards. Okay. Uh, next group, Richards. Uh, I put him in the, uh, the other group, so whatever. Uh, Pomeranz, Dylan Bundy. Charlie Morton, Jamison Tyone. Pomeranz, Bundy, Morton, Tyone. Who do we like? I love Charlie Morton, and I don't know why more people don't. Um, Just limited limited track record. He's only yeah, done it for really like one half of one year. Which of the who, – who are the right, names no, that's, mentioning? I'm, I'm not – who are the other names? Uh, they were Pomeranz, Bundy, Morton, and Tyone. And before that, Chase Anderson, Fulmer, Duffy. Yeah, Ty, Tyone is by far and away my favorite out of this group. I, I find that surprising because it doesn't seem like he's even an average strikeout pitcher in today's environment. Maybe, maybe just average. Um, I'm not and sure. And I know there's... Chris is high on him too. Like I, I don't like I. I think what Chris was saying about. Well, no, that's not. I'm not sure there's any difference between Jamison Tyone and Kyle Hendricks. That's fair, but we've already established I don't like Kyle Hendricks. I'm not so. sure there's any difference between Jamison Tyone and Jose Barrios. That's also fair, but we've also established right, but, I don't but, like Jose right, Barrios. But, that's the, but the whole thing is that you don't have to pay those prices for Jamison Tyone. And so if you yeah. don't – it's not about not liking Kyle Hendricks or not liking Jose Barrios. It's not liking them in the eighth round. But if okay. you can get Jamison Tyone 50th at pitcher, 185th overall, there's a lot to like there because he's probably going to have a pretty low ERA – that's been what he's been his entire career until he came back from having cancer. But the thing is, I like Charlie Morton and Chase Anderson more than all of the above. So, like, Jameson Tyone is not the guy I want to stump for here. Charlie Morton and Chase Anderson were very good last year, and it was surprising. They <laughs> hadn't been very good before. Uh, I do see a lot of five-inning starts from Charlie Morton. But I don't. I don't think you can get picky about innings at this point in the draft. No, right. You're just both of them. Both of them had a big uptick in velocity last year, and um, better like changed their pitch selection in a way that obviously seemed more effective. So like you can point to changes that both of them made. Obviously, Morton has the Astros data mine backing him, and started throwing his curveball more, and it was really mm-hmm. effective. That yeah. was a big part of his yeah. success too. So I I buy I, I more or less buy both of them. I don't know that Anderson will be quite as good in ERA and whip as he was last year, but he'll be as good if not better than the rest of this group. Right, I think we can we can stop the show today and at fifty pitchers, and we'll just kind of finish up with our favorite late round picks. Because we're two hundred picks into ADP at this point. Uh, we're 50 pitchers and, and 200 picks in. I think that's a pretty good place to stop because now we're really talking about bench pitchers for most fantasy owners. Um, and we're going to talk about guys like Blake Snell and Jacob Faria and Mike Clevenger. They go in the next 20 picks, and, and we like them. And Denelson Lamed is there. Uh, you know, it gets a little bit harder to find guys we like, but there will be plenty. But uh, we're 50 picks in, and in a 10-team league, in a 10-team league with a five-man rotation, everybody's got their rotation, maybe. But, like, in a 12-team league with a five-man rotation, you have to go 60 picks deep. 
But if we could sum it up, I would like to have my rotation filled out by now. Or very, very po- close. It's not really possible if you're drafting with Scott because he's going to take three bench pitchers yeah. before. I, I might be already be working on my pitching b- pitching bench in a head-to-head points league. And I might be looking for my number four starter right the, now. There yeah, that, are, that's why I'll be in good shape. <laughs> there are multiple pitchers that we have not referenced that I am perfectly, in fact, excited to have as a part of my rotation. Blake Snell, Taiwan Walker, uh, Tanner Roark, Kevin Gosman, Mike Clevenger, Kenta Maeda. So, yeah, I, I'm perfectly fine with taking my four and five starters. Assuming I have a bench, I probably still have five or six pitchers left to draft. And it's, it's you know, it's really just about philosophy because I, I like those guys and I, I want them, but I don't want them on my, I don't want them to be in my starting rotation week one. I want them on my bench to see if I'm right if about the hunch, about the breakout hunch, sure. you know? So And to play matchups to, you know, capitalize on two-star weeks. Of course, like, yeah. Pitching, pitching is even in a weekly week league. Starting pitcher is one of those positions where uh, you use everybody on your roster. Which, you know, in a weekly league, I'm not sure I'd say that for any other position. And there are, I would say, there are probably more than a dozen pitchers with top 20 upside left that we haven't talked about. Good, good. So that gives us plenty for tomorrow. Tomorrow we will also announce the podcast league details, and you will start submitting to get into the podcast league. Uh, so that will be exciting, and I don't think we'll talk about Samarja, but I will probably issue an on-air apology to Chris for losing my mind over Jeff Samarja, <laughs> who has been a very, very annoying pitcher like, for me. You, Adam, you say you want to speed things up, and Chris says the most, like the most outlandish thing anybody said the whole show. So of course we have to unpack it. Right, right I did. Right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was a perfectly reasonable thing to say. It was very like half of the show agreed with it. It was the most Chris Towers thing you could do because what you did was take a very perfectly reasonably, actually good fantasy baseball take. Jeff Samarja is underrated, and frame it in a way that makes almost everyone argue against it. <laughs> half, half of the show, <laughs> kind agreed of, with it. yeah, like I, that's kind of true because I, I there are things to like about Samarja, but as this, as your number two pitcher, who on earth is doing that other than the, the wonderful the guy Chris with the really Towers. good offense? Yeah, the I only guess. person. In the prime demographic for advertisements, agreed with it. So I think I win the popular vote. The popular vote's tied. I think I win the electoral college. I think that's how this works. So any statement you make, yes, is the prevailing statement. I as mean, as far as advertising, right, because you're not thirty yet. Is that it? Once you turn thirty, then you're on even ground with. Are we yeah. sure that twenty-one to thirty is a better market than thirty-one to forty? Yeah, I, yeah I, we I think buy once stuff. Thirty needs to be replaced. What do you buy? We buy things. Wow. Yeah, come on. All right. (laughs) Well, now this podcast is off the rails. We'll talk to you tomorrow with, uh, we'll wrap up starting pitcher. And, uh, I think we'll, we'll recap all the positions, kind of sum up everything and read a lot of your emails and have a lot of fun. See you later.